0: Our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Yeah. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognar, the young, the young kicking it to you live with another episode of the Beggins of the Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure, the Herald, and the quest, the past. In the last episode of the show, the party recuperated much of their wounds and uh, fixed themselves up before traveling out. They dealt with some very who were definitely, totally not going to go to Gallup Bay and definitely didn't have any plans of initiating one last hurrah to take control over the city. Uh, unfortunately for them, party showed up, took care of business, took charge, uh, sent them on their merry way in the opposite direction. The uh, party then traveled off to tragoloka's lair and found that, uh-oh, they're zombies and skeletons. Very unfortunate for everybody around. Party smacked Tragaloka quite a few times after finding out she had dark dealings with a dastardly, devilish, evil entity of a god. Um, Yeah, spanked her, took her stuff walked out of there with big piles of money. The party traveled through a teleporter with the weapon in front of the people of Gallard Bay at the church, in front of a mass group of people, plopped her sword, rolled down the stairs, and I believe killed an or uh, an ogre? I think he got sliced in half down the middle?
3: Yeah, bisected. But, I mean, we said that. I don't that. know if that actually happened.
0: I don't think it did, but I, I kind of like thinking that it did. Um... But yeah, so I guess the the last episode ends with the party sort of sitting there in front of the crowd of people who all seem to be cheering, recognizing that Tragloca, at least known to some um, through uh, hushed words and murmurs, and those who don't know, seeing the ogres sort of in a great sense of fear start to panic and run and hustle out of town. It seems like people put two and two together, that the very unspoken ogre impact here uh, was Soon to be no more, as the uh, crowds seem to hail and cheer the heroes of uh, Amoroth, Um plus Tarzak. Uh The party, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, before you, ha- you have the opportunity, what would you guys like to do? It's about midday at this point.
1: We should probably go speak to Lord Amthar right away.
0: Agreed. You guys gonna pick up that sword or are you just gonna leave it here?
4: We can and we should up.
0: carry the sword with us. Gotta do another dramatic drop of it inside the uh Lord Amthar's hall.
5: <laughs>
0: yeah, you, know, you can't just keep dropping it everywhere. Um okay, it's so very the party, heavy. Uh I was gonna say the party make the uh very, very uh tedious journey of picking up the blade and shoving it back into the backpack making sure not to rip a hole through it um, but once they manage to do so they march off traveling to the uh, long hall there of lord amthar um once you guys reach the gate you have already been recognized well enough by the guards who are outside of here um and seeing you guys return I mean, obviously, you're not beaten to snot or anything, but, I mean, you know, you guys very clearly have the wear of battle on you, as I'm pretty sure nobody actually got a full rest since that happened. So, pretty sure Jarzak still has, like, a bone sticking out or something like that.
5: Apparently.
0: Um, But, okay. As the uh, party are quickly marched into the hall to go meet with the lord, um, you guys rush into that main chamber where he is seated at his throne, And in sort of a huff, recognizing that he's being interrupted in his time alone in there, uh, one of the guards shouts out and mentions that it's the heroes of um, Emroth who have entered, and they have returned from their quest. Him being surprised by the fact you guys were able to return so quickly, seeing how it took like four days to get out there, um, seems to be a little bit dumbstruck by the occasion. And seeing you guys walk in, again, wounded and bloodied, there is a, uh, a moment where he seems to be caught off guard by this. But he stands up to address you and yells, How
1: Greetings and well met, Lord Absar. We have come to inform you uh, inform you, that the frost giant maiden Tragoloka is dead. We bring her blade as proof of our deed and perhaps also as a
0: small gift if you will accept it. gift (laughs) so as the party laboriously pull the blade out (laughs) the entire like long table the uh the entire like giant picnic table of a blade gets pulled out onto the floor and he steps down from the throne uh recognizing that at his full height when he comes down to be on your level he's at least seven feet tall granted he's wearing boots But like he is a just a monster of a human being and seeing him in this way and recognizing the customs of this area being, you know, assume the throne through deeds and through kicking the crap out of the other guy. It's not hard to see how Amthar may have in one on one combat. Absolutely like, you know, dunked whoever came before him. But he comes over and he takes a peek at the blade and witnessing the sort of ambient shock that kind of travels through little static wisps around it. Um, he doesn't choose to touch it, but he prods it with his boot for a moment, and he says, Did she use this upon you? Did you fight her fairly in combat? She
1: made the attempt. She was unsuccessful.
2: Mostly was threw that? us around. It's just, it's like just, just, <laughs> Jarzak. What, wait, no, she mostly like, threw me around.
0: And then he he sort of chuckles a bit at this, lets out a raucous laugh, holding his belly as he does, and then slaps a hand on your shoulder and says, But you were not deterred. Not one of you were deterred. Of course He says, So I suppose I am in some way in debt. Is this true?
5: By the, the terms of
1: our, of our agreement, it is true.
0: And with that, he looks over Jarzak, who still has the bane uh, axe on him, and he says, "Tell me, for my own curiosities, did it taste her blood?"
2: Oh, it it did. It was. With that, it's a fine blade.
0: That he pumps one fist into there with a hoot and he yells, Good, my ancestors will smile upon us this day. One less giant. This is a truly a good thing. Losing a giant such as her, this is a wonderful occasion. If you will stay the night, I have prepared a bountiful feast for such an occasion.
1: I will be happy the... to accept your hospitality.
3: Klikat does wanna let Um the Lord know that she did befriend a silver dragon uh wormling and may the its mom may be coming by to just say hi at some point. So don't freak out if a silver dragon shows up.
0: So that he looks a bit um I don't know what says perplexed by what you say, but after hearing your story out, sort of shakes it off like a, I don't want to say like a like a, I'm trying to think the best way to put this. He tries to disregard what you're saying, and he instead says, I cannot tell you who to have enter my fine city, but I will say, I do not trust dragons. I don't trust any of their kind. Even the most benevolent of them all is still troublesome to us and our well-being. Their greed is unbound, and the way they view us, we're merely pawns in their game. Truly, it is the same to be said of gods.
3: Cleeta just keeps her mouth shut about dragons.
4: We only (laughs) ask, if this dragon visits, that your city does not cause it harm.
0: And he says, any dragon that would be bold enough to enter in its draconic form is a fool and deserves as much. Unfortunately, for us, this dragon would likely come in under some sort of disguise. Pray tell, was it a silver dragon? Yeah, Clicker
3: will confirm it
0: was. At least the Wyrmling. He gives sort of a swift nod, and he says, perhaps it is our good luck this day. But... Silver dragons are certainly the least of our concerns as far as draconic kind go. A curious beast, one who chooses only to live amongst the humans and experience our heroic duties. While many dragons, such as the red, may procure bountiful piles of gold, silver dragons wish to attain history and experiences to learn of our heroic deeds. Perhaps I shall learn from your great deed and your befriending of the dragon. If you say so, I shall befriend the dragon as well. Perhaps I can tell it some stories of my own conquest and glory.
4: There's only other, one other item I believe you should be aware of. Did you know of Tregloca's dark gifts? She was different than, from my understanding, of frost giants than the average frost item. She
0: dealt necromancy. Yeah, he just looks perplexed by this. You guys recall the name she used at one point, Durum, which um with a religion check, which Anton would know just because he's religious and studies under you know the immortals. Durum is an evil god of death, undeath, and rot. And Jarzak, hearing the name Durum again has nightmarish pained visions of murder and massacre go like racking through his brain um and i would say jarzak if you could roll me a constitution saving throw or a charisma yeah i'll say charisma uh 26 you don't show it it doesn't seem like you're witnessing like graphic displays of of macabre in your brain but you definitely are good I really hope not um, that bad of PTSD, Jesus. Uh, well, but... I mean, he he answered the call of Durum that came out of the dead body. He basically <laughs> yeah. like accepted all the terms and agreements without reading it.
2: Jarzak's <laughs> also just, pretty used to just people popping in and saying, showing weird stuff. But yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm like thinking he's got like a metaphysical waiting room in his brain. Where okay. There's like a Jarzak behind the counter, and then there's a Jarzak waiting in the office. <laughs> and then Durham just showed up, slammed the door behind him. just, just, just the, the deceiver office. and the
2: swordsman just, you know, dueling. And then this new person shows up. They're like, who the fuck are you? He's
0: like, uh, is this Jarzak's brain? And they're like, yeah. They're like, oh, uh, he uh, let me into his mind by speaking infernal to me. The swordsman just slaps his forehead like, what the fuck is this guy's deal? <laughs> and then Val- <laughs> Valaket's just like, I fucking know, right? but um (laughs) meanwhile the uh um uh, lord amthar the fierce is sort of shaking his head and itching at his beard and he says to himself it would not surprise me that a frost giant would do such a treacherous thing as to align itself with such a dark aspect but again as i said before we are merely pawns in the gods games i for one refuse to play This frost giant has sealed its fate by taking on an ally such as that. And for that, I hope it is in racking pain for the rest of its pitiful existence, wherever it may be. Unfortunately for it, I am not afraid. Never have I ever once been, and never will I ever be. Ha
4: ha! I'm just curious, does this- does he have, like, any councilman or anything like that? Like, does he have an advisor, or is this guy just, like- one-man, like, army kind of deal. Like, he's just doing his own thing.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, I would say that by spending this much time here in the small talk you guys have heard of, he definitely has a council, but it's certainly not the kind of council that you think a city-state should be operating under, as it <laughs> seems like it's just a gang of men and women with very prolific and, like, ex- like conquest. Like, they are just, like, all well-traveled, battle-worn adventurers who are just hard as fuck. And they just together like make decisions on things to do as they deem to be fit. It's like an oligarchy of just like He-Man characters that have come together in this place. Everyone's mm. worth. I mean, they're doing okay now.
4: <laughs> okay, I just wasn't sure I'm like they're making some possibly unwise thoughts here, but okay. <laughs>
0: I mean, <laughs> he lives on the doorstep of one of the most powerful undead beings in this existence. You know, you're like, this guy practiced dark magic. He's like, Yeah, everybody does. <laughs> we all do.
5: <laughs>
0: anyway, um, as he holds up his zombified cat. Um, but with that, he says, Very well, I shall have the feast prepared for this evening. I will invite all of my greatest of companions, and I will invite all those worthy of eating at my
5: table. Have you any requests of guests who bring anyone worthy of joining us at this table? Do we want to maybe bring the innkeeper? Probably not, right?
6: I mean, the innkeeper was super chill.
0: Poisons Amthar's dinner. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking
6: for the guild
0: yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah perhaps perhaps not maybe just the lady fr- from the church since <clears throat> they gave us some good info about what we were to expect out there
5: okay
0: um fair enough Okay, so with that, you shortly mention a couple of names of people in town who've been decently nice to you. And upon mentioning the name of the uh, the woman who works at the church, uh, he sort—I of, don't want to say—he rolls his eyes, but he definitely seems to sort of question, you know, you saying such a thing. But with that, he says, "Very well. Again, if they are a friend of yours, I will accept them into my hall as a friend of my own."
4: Will the ranger be in attendance?
0: And with that, he sort of shakes his head a little bit, and he says, unfortunately, I have done my best to locate the individual, and your guess is as good as mine as to when Swiftbolt will return.
3: Mm-hmm. Did we want to invite our the crew from the wave wraith? Oh
5: my god, we're we bringing them. Homes? No.
0: <laughs> nope. They've all just been eating each no, other up Not there.
3: even Lucky Dog. Okay. Who, okay.
2: Clica? Lucky Dog's here. Who's watching the gnomes?
3: They'll watch themselves. Clica, It's an honor system. You put one Clica. In, <laughs> and the rest will follow. But it's like when you pick the kid who's only a year older than all the other kids and put them in charge.
5: It yes. works.
3: We left them near the ship for like what, a week and they made it so it can fly? What are they going to do next? Maybe it'll be able to go underwater next time. And Then it yeah. can't sink anymore. Shit! Yeah, we gotta get Lucky Dog over here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so after having mentioned Lucky Dog and a bit of the crew on your flying vessel... Amthar is one astonished that he hasn't heard about a flying ship until this point, and having heard that it's landed in in the port, he himself would like to go visit the vessel in the days that follow, hoping that you guys would be so gracious as to show him this fancy fucking flying ship. Fuck, Um, we
3: we gotta spend some of the gold we got to actually attach that shark mouth onto the front now. (laughs) (laughs) if if important people are going to see the wave race it has to look its
0: best fair enough so um with that i mean honestly at this point you might as well just take truck blade and mount it to the front just that's fine too yeah that's also fine
4: oh my god
3: a big old shark mouth underneath perfect
0: That's horrifying well, the best part is it's electric, so it's like shocking all the fish that come up to the front of the <laughs> ship, like some sort of perverse. Like, what what do they call those things in the front of tra- on trains? Like the the uh, cowcatcher. Yeah, the cowcatcher. yeah, cow
3: yeah, yeah. That thing
0: in the <laughs> except you have one for the boat. Yeah, the, like it's it, it's slum.
3: it's what keeps the zombie sharks swimming, so they don't slack off. <laughs>
0: Well, with that in mind, um, the feast is called together uh, in pretty short notice. Um, but all of the people in town who prepare foods like this—the uh, very smoked meats, cheeses, fruits, veggies, wines, meads, anything you could imagine—is procured and brought towards the uh, brought to the town. Uh, to the sorry, to the to the long haul here. Uh, Amthar. It makes it very clear and very apparent that he's paying for all of this out of pocket making it a point to say that out of all of his conquests in life and all the great victories he's had have the sort of money behind him to be able to afford to do such things. Um, it doesn't say so in a way to like brag to you guys, but in a way to sort of like nudge you all and say like, Hey, I also have lived the good life of adventuring and sort of pays everybody very fairly, if not way more than what they deserve uh, for such short notice. But again, People who have worked in the uh, in the hall attending to him, heads of guards, adventurers, travelers, everybody comes in here. By the end of the evening at the highest point of the feast, um, there's got to be at least 200 people who come into attendance, filling the hall completely all over, and it is just a madhouse. There is no real sense of restraint in this place, and tons of people are just absolutely sloshed and fallen down all over themselves. Tons of people have eaten far more than I think a person should eat. Um, and people break off into song in pretty much every quadrant of the hall that could possibly have songs sung within it. To the point there's one general disharmonious cacophony of happy singing that happens throughout the night. But my question for you guys is, where would you fall in this night of revelry?
1: I actually imagine Norhill gets into it a lot. This is probably much more his speed as far as banquets go compared to the ones in Amaroth and Ascabellum and whatnot.
0: Yeah. Alright. Fair enough. Does Norhill get like hammer stoned, or does he get <laughs> like, <laughs> just tastily drunker?
1: I mean, you know, t- 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 tastefully drunk, which is probably still drinking as much as everybody else, considering the fact that he's a dwarf but.
5: Okay. Yeah, You're you not so drunk still, that you like he...
1: can't retell the tales of the party's many adventures as well as
0: possible.
4: All right.
0: So I will say that over the course of the evening, being drunk and telling stories of adventure, you notice that a lot of the uh, sort of the granddads in the room, the retired adventurers who have also gone on great adventures themselves, uh, they seem to circle around and listen to Norhill. But one thing that you notice, and I, I suppose Norhill probably would be pretty aware of this, and anybody else who hangs around Norhill at this point, there comes a point during his storytelling where it doesn't sound like Norhill saying this, like, yeah, we did this last week and we're about to go off and do it again, Norhill starts to sort of blend in with the grayness of the other adventurers here in the corner. recounting these tales. Not saying, like, he's over the hill, but it sounds like he's reading, like, you know, what he's done with his life. And it seems, as the party look on to Norhill, that his position as a sort of man who's completed much of his adventuring in life, it, it feels like it fits. And seeing Norhill in this place, and recognizing his wife, his kids, his family at home, being lord of the halls, like, you see Norhill in that light, and he definitely fits in in a weirder, like, more complete, away from the party, distinct, distinguished, old gentleman kind of way. You know what I mean? Which is weird, because Norhill's
1: the dwarf equivalent of, like, a 30-year-old. <laughs>
0: Right, but that's what's weird about it is it's like you just feel so mature among the rest of them that it it just sort of fits in that you know we've transitioned from like war dog who's just traveling around and making money and killing evil things to being like well back in my day you know just a few months ago but now you're like you know in charge of people and have to like you know you're the guy who tells people to pay the taxes but um <laughs> Okay, uh, what about everybody else?
3: I think uh, Klika probably spent maybe the first 50 people that came in trying to keep things tidy, and then somewhere between 50 and 100, it got too much for one Klika to handle. <laughs> so, uh, I think she's just started, uh, just kind of let it go for one night and just looked over, saw Norhill having a really good time, uh, listened to all the people singing and enjoying themselves and just decided to just actually enjoy the night and not worry about trying to fix everything for once. So She she probably had a couple drinks, ate a lot of good food, um, just popping around to all the different Every one of those people at a party who just sort of pops all over the place. Like she's at the people singing for a bit, she's with the people telling stories for a bit. She's like sort of hangs out with the quiet people in the corner for a little bit who just don't even look like they belong there that much. Like she just goes all over, just enjoying enjoying the night for once.
0: Okay. What about Anton and Jarzak? uh jarzak would probably join the uh the singing crew
2: as i imagine most of the food and drink here are kind of on the fancy side so
0: he's no, probably actually for what it's worth it's pretty meat and potatoes this is for it people is? who like oh yeah perfect. they abandoned for yeah fruit. this is all okay. about just but
3: does it still taste good because then
2: it no, still tastes no, bad Jar- <laughs> jarzak will eat the yeah. dirtiest of the potatoes
0: yeah. the he's low like, of quality of meat yeah, he he's like, I, I like first. the ones
3: that have the little tentacles and eyes on them. That's how you know they're good. It's like, that's poisonous. <laughs> that one's not even cooked. Yeah, but it tastes good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah, he'll join the uh, the singers for once in his life.
0: <laughs> At one point, um, you feel a hand on your shoulder. And as you quickly turn around during the revelry, you can see that Lucky Dog is standing behind you and gives you sort of an oddball look. And he says, I didn't know you were much of a singer, Captain.
6: Yeah. Maybe when I was younger, but not for a long time.
5: that he says? I was going to say, we're just going to (laughs) try He was an orc idol.
0: So with that, (laughs) yeah, an orc. Jarzak was going to be a bard
3: uh, before he became a warlock. (laughs) Explains the charisma.
0: Um, Very good. Um, So with that, the Lucky Dog sort of joins in attempting to sing along with you but doesn't know the words and just kind of hums along with the tune, uh, swaying alongside you before drifting off and talking to some of the locals. You can tell from looking at Lucky Dog while he does so that He's definitely a charismatic man of the world himself, and having come from Azkaban uh, shores over by Bonebreak Islands and everything, coming all the way out here, like he's a man of the world and being a sailor and traveler, he looks like he lives here. You know what I mean? Um,
5: okay. Uh, what about Anton?
4: Actually, I don't think Anton's gonna stick around. I think I'll have like a light dinner to so, like thank you to like the few people who like. Helped crucially in the journey, and that he's gonna head out and head to the church. Feel like, he's like, okay. he's like, yeah, I'm gonna go pray.
5: <laughs> okay,
0: um, so I will say that for you, uh, since you guys invited um, some of the order of the temple in the city, uh, over here, um, we'll say that as you're traveling. Uh, over to the church to go pray we'll say that you run into a preacher or a uh, a cleric a priest of some sort who works there um and you can tell this just i mean pretty simply by looking at the uh, the cloth um mm-hmm. but yeah so we'll say that as you're sort of traveling through and run into them they stop as they recognize you So as they stop and take a moment to see you, they're like, um, where exactly are you headed? I thought the the revelry and party that we were invited to was, uh, that way and points off into the distance.
4: He gives a nod. He's like, yes, it is. He's like, I, I need my time to pray.
0: Oh, that the, uh, the priest here who appears to be something of a middle-aged man, um, He seems to be, for what it's worth, pretty healthy-looking guy, like a pretty average, typical-looking individual. But he puts a hand on Anton's shoulder and says, Is there a reason why you're opting to pray instead of enjoy these things? I myself am being dragged to such an event. I've been dragging my feet as long as I could so I wouldn't have to leave the church, but... I figure if you're leaving this early, perhaps I can come with you. And that way, I'll have an excuse why I never came.
4: this was an interesting task we had to go on. I had conflicts with who our true enemy was and our lack of understanding. Because fortunately, unfortunately, they proved to be of nefarious origins, but they're still I don't know, it's times like these I always get worrisome and I look to the light to guide me.
0: As he hears you start to immediately spill your guts about, like, a deeper topic (laughs) like that, he immediately um, sort of puts hand around your shoulder at this point and begins to walk you back to the church. Um, And he says, I I think there's probably a lot more for us to talk about. Let's not do this in the street. You know, I heard the other day, or at least this morning, somebody chopped an entire ogre in half. It just completely bisected straight down the middle.
4: Ah. Yes, I, I know that.
0: Ew. But as you guys walk to the Church of Litharia, um, you guys can still hear the sounds of the winds sort of traveling through the uh, chimes here and making a beautiful chorus in the nighttime air. Um, He leads you into the church where there are still some candles lit and uh, everything seems to be pretty quiet within. But as he walks you in, he says, so... If you don't mind me asking, I don't think we've actually officially met. I believe your name was Anton.
4: Yes, Anton of Glory Wake, at your service. And he kind of waits for him to introduce himself.
0: He says, I am High Priest Tomlin. I have been here for not too long, but I think that the people of this <clears throat> fair city have taken me in pretty well.
4: Are no, you not a local. No, well,
0: no, no. Where do you fare from? Where am I from? Ah, uh, well, for what it's worth, it's not a very intriguing story, but I myself am actually from Amaroth. Amaroth. Hmm. This is a small town called Glorywake. Really beautiful place, especially this time of year.
4: <laughs> wait, is, that, is he for real?
0: <laughs> oh, he's not for real about that. <laughs> I
4: was like, wait a minute, what?
0: Oh, no. But he, mentions, <laughs> but he says, he says, I believe I heard that you were also from Amaroth.
4: Yes, I'm from the port town of Glory Wake.
0: says, ah, oh, that's not too far from where I'm from. But. I left when I was only about 20 years old, and I sort of traveled about a bit as a sailor. I found that the most endearing part of my travel was always the feel of the open road and the open seas, so I spent quite a long time traveling before I truly found Letharia. Oh, well,
4: you must have many adventures then. Oh, yeah, I feel bad. I know my... I imagine there are a few members of my party spreading their own tales and withholding you from this, doing this with the rest of the group. well
0: you see the thing that I realized is it was never too much about what I did so much as the feeling of the freedom of traveling out there in the open seas the way the wind carries and whistles in your ears it just sort of reminds you of the beauty of life the beauty of the simple things how the wind is invisible and you cannot feel it until it's there Yet, I always know it's there. And when it is there, it sings to me a kind song. Even in the worst of storms, I recognize somewhere in the world, there is beauty on the wind.
4: It's very nice. I guess as they settle, I'm imagining they're in the church now. They're settled in. I just wonder, our next steps will take us to even darker of a foe than what we faced today something i don't think and that I can imagine
0: he definitely raises an eyebrow and then settles it for a second as he realizes what you must be talking about and swallows hard for just a moment as he says again i haven't been here for too long but am i a fool to assume you speak of the dark one in the north
4: I'm not a fool. Desperate times call for possibly desperate alliances. As I understand right now, it is fairly desperate and only concerns me because we knew coming here there would be at least one necromancer at work, but I wasn't expecting more. I don't know if there's allegiance, if there's anything to do with one another. But it just makes me a little worrisome.
0: Now that he sort of says, well, I know the frost giants, as I assume you're speaking of Mm Trakloca, are not exactly of the kindest of spirits and hearts. But much like you said just a moment ago, desperate times call for desperate, well, measures. I'm willing to suggest and hope that the reason for so many turning to such dark solutions is that they themselves are dealing with problems of their own. Perhaps I am a fool doubly for assuming that there can be something of an optimistic approach to the morality of frost giants, but in my heart I believe all things are truly good and kind until they're faced with the realities of the world they live in. True, there are things in this world that are of purest evil, but I like to think that as long as things can make firm decisions on their own, they are pure of heart. Upon birth.
4: Yes.
5: Thank you for making uh, a choice. Yeah. To make a good
4: choice. But true. I'm also just not too much into the parties. Prayer is a good excuse. Was you know?
0: To be honest, I've dealt with enough parties such as that to also agree they can be. uh A bit much, honestly. And with that, he rolls up one of his sleeves, and the flowing silken robes that he's wearing, like, sort of are so silky and so light that they sort of dance even in the wind of his arm swinging. But as he lifts his arm up, he shows you there's a huge gouging scar that runs from his wrist all the way to his elbow. And he says, now, I've often as a youth told people that this came from fighting a group of orcs. Barely survived it, and managed to get out alive after beheading the leader of the group. But would you believe me if I told you I was so drunk one night at one of these parties I tripped and I slipped and I cut my arm on a broken piece of glass. I nearly died there on the bar floor. My crime in life was drinking too much and slipping like an idiot. That must have been a big piece of glass. But...
4: You never had it healed. I... Would you like for me to
0: treat it? would then he says, no, I'm, I think it's a bit far past the time that I could heal it. And to be honest, I think there's some sort of a beauty in having scars left behind. While the people of Amthar recount their stories and tales and parties such as those and some chronicle them in texts and tomes, I think in the heart of an adventurer all know that the story comes in the scars that outline your body, sort of leaving behind a map Showing the trail of where you went in your life, where you went wrong, where you went right. But, either way, some of the scars of traveling, you can't really see. And, again, far be it from me to ask such a question, but, tell me, Anton. Do you bear many scars internally from your travels?
4: Internally? Um
0: uh, well, shell shock Anton just just dips into like the dark place. <laughs> Starts yeah, yeah. thinking about snow, thermometer slowly <laughs> lowering. Like the
5: cold.
4: There were many unpleasant things that I've experienced in the past. How long has it been? A year? Six months? Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> But the only scar that is still raw is the loss of my home. I made a desperate attempt to win it back for my people with past enemies of my people. But right now, I, I can't say what fate they have right now. I know the more time I spend away, the less of a chance I have protecting them. I only fear I'll with come that, back and I'll
0: be gone. He just sort of nods and says I wish I could offer you some sort of comfort in a time such as this but I'm sure you know just as well as anybody does that comfort is not a luxury of a traveler and comfort is not the luxury of those who have the power that we do. No. I think there's some sort of bliss that comes with being powerless. Is morbid, I guess, as that sounds, I think the weight of the world is upon those who can do. I suppose if that is to be true, and I'll let you go, and, you know, you can go your own way for the rest of the evening, but one thing I guess I want to tell you before you leave is to remember that, you know, some of the scars we have hurt, and they are painful reminders, but... In time, I think we can learn to love what is left behind, but I don't want the weight of the world on your shoulders to be too much, and I think you should remember to forgive yourself. Even though you have more power than most, you cannot do anything and everything.
4: I just have to make sure I'm doing something.
0: I think that is the most that most of us can do.
4: Oh, I thank you for your time, your company. So we hope this this day at least ends in peace and too much bloodshed.
0: He says, I hope so as well. He gives a very dry smile and a nod to you. And he says, and for what it's worth, even though I don't agree with where you're headed in your next adventure... I do wish you the best of hope and the best of luck and I hope that the light of the Illuminator looks out over you. I hope that the wind of Letharia carries you to your next safety. She sings the song of your peace and your glory. And I hope the same for you. Ditto. (laughs) Close the door. So where's where's Anton ending his night?
4: Um, i think i'll actually go by like the dock just okay. wander around a little bit and then um i think yeah, i think i'll just wander around throughout the night okay
5: just,
4: yeah
0: so i will say that in your travels down to the dock oh yeah no definitely you come across A very unsavory scene as Anton seems to kind of get lost moseying about on the pier and by the docks. And as you take the wrong stairwell to the wrong area where a couple of warehouses are, you see a group of dead ogres that have sort of been just stacked and bodied. And one ogre seems to still be alive as a group of about 12 people seem to be just taking turns, just beating the snot out of them. And as you walk by the corner and hear the sound of just grunting, pained, like uh, they turn and look back and see you at this end of the line. One of them holds up something of like a fish carving knife in your general direction, which almost is more threatening because it's not made for stabbing people. But as he aims in your direction, he just says, you turn back right now and don't come back this way. You didn't see anything.
4: How many people are there?
0: Twelve. There is 12. there is a an entire gang of individuals over here. Uh, can you roll me a perception check, real quick?
4: Yeah. Freaking jerks. One second. Where's my perception?
3: You tell those bullies.
4: Yeah, that's freaking not okay
0: past fireball I'll show you I have to be like smart and that's not
4: necessarily the smart thing to
0: do just the entire Uh, pier of Gallad Bay burns into the ocean the economy collapses Uh, it's
3: just (laughs) Ray of Wraith floating above it in the morning I got
4: a 13
0: okay Uh, with a 13 the voice of the person who's yelling at you sounds familiar as you recall, a few days prior, nearly a week ago now, the voice of one of the men who seemed to be scooping up some of the ogres and dragging them around behind the uh, the last ship home tavern that you guys had stayed at sort of rings in your brain for a second as he tells you to hurry out of here. It sounds like one of the people who worked at the tavern that you were staying at just a few nights ago.
4: So a member of the guild, I'm assuming? Most likely. Um, do I have a good, like, view of the, um, the last ogre? No,
0: I mean, the oil lamps that are burning right now down here by the pier, it almost seems like these guys picked this location because of the low light, um, but you can't really tell too well. You can definitely tell by the slumped body posture and the uh, group of people who have beaten it. This thing probably is not going to make it. And it looks like they're sort of uh, wringing out the last juices of this lemon, uh, as to put it in a very ugly way.
4: I'm just trying to see if I could cast something quick to just put it out of its misery, like really fast. Her ball. Yikes. Yeah, I don't think fireballs. I'm trying to find something a little bit more subtle in my spell list. i
3: just burning Ray straight through the dome.
0: Or scorching Ray. I mean, you can all talk to them about it and tell them.
4: No, I will not look aside from this. And he tries to square up with the guy and get him in her eyes. He's like, I understand your hatred for them. They've caused much pain, but what you're doing right now, put him out of his misery, put it behind you. Move on with your lives. What are you getting out of this torture?
0: You can roll persuasion at advantage. Go
4: to nine. Twenty-nine?
0: No, a nine. <laughs>
4: oh, okay. <laughs> Almost got a Yikes.
0: And so with that, the one in the front holding the fish carving knife just kind of turns to you and says, as he kind of talks over his shoulder to the other ones as he approaches you, he looks over his shoulder for a second, he says, Keep going. In fact, maybe we'll make a necklace out of his fingers and toes. Yeah. And he looks back at you and he says, You think you can just march in here and tell us what to do? You do not know anything of the pain we've had to endure. I lost my brother to an ogre just like this one. You know what that's like? Do you know what that's like? All of the people I know have lived under this regime of these stinking morons, and you're going to tell me I'm not allowed to revel in the fact that they're they're at an end? Don't worry. We'll kill it when it's well and done.
4: Nope, no, you're fucking not.
0: I cast heal. <laughs> the ogre stands no. up. <laughs>
4: I'm Not gonna do that. I was hoping I could pull out like my my crossbow really quick and just shoot it. But I don't think Anton's that like finesse. <laughs> yeah,
0: I also feel like you're gonna get wrapped up into an initiative that you might not so comfortably walk out of.
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if
0: you want to, you can roll for an intimidate check. I'll, I'll allow that, too. I feel like this is not out of Anton's realm of how he's been playing in the past few weeks of, of our game no. here. It feels like Anton turning and saying, you will do it, pulling out the light blade and just, like,
3: Schwa.
4: Oh, shit, like, I can't I can, use that.
0: I was
3: wondering oh. if you were going to pull it out. I didn't even think
4: about <laughs> that. I can pull that out.
3: Like a lightsaber.
4: Yeah, honestly, I think I am. I'm going to pull some, like, Obi-Wan Kenobi vibes in here. <laughs> yeah, I think that's exactly what I'm going to do. So, yeah, Anson is just going to shake his head, like, mournfully, and just pull out the hilt, cast it, and just point it in a direction. He's like, you kill it now, and you leave. No, no,
5: no. You can
0: roll for an intimidate on it. I'll try. Not at an advantage this time.
4: I'm rolling like that. I only got six.
0: Yeah, this is it. (laughs) Uh, No. And so, with that, the gang of all of the uh, men here begin to turn and turn on you for having pulled out a weapon. And it looks like it's about to be a full-on brawl, as the one in the front whistles and the other ones all turn from slugging on the uh, ogre, and turn in your direction to start to beat down on Anton. Um, okay. Alright, so let's go ahead and roll for initiative out of the two of us. I right. you know this game has just ch- changed from Anton being like, I want to go find some religious solitude, and really, really find some peace. Just murdering, like, <laughs> just remember
4: something. Like, I got a 16 on my initiative roll.
0: Okay, they got a six. So what would you like to do? As it definitely seems like they're turning on you to try to fight you with makeshift weapons.
4: Yeah, I don't know if a fireball is going to like be too much. <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah, probably.
4: Uh, I'm trying to think of like what would be a medium level fire spell I could do that could like, back them off but not like burn down the whole fucking place.
0: If you did burning hands, that it. Oh, wait, can do I do it as like ice hands. spell? Yeah. yeah what the ice fireball
4: well ice ball not fireball snow, yeah go ahead. Ball, it's a big snowball
1: it's gonna do the same amount of damage
4: and <laughs> blizzard
1: <laughs> orb. fair
4: okay
0: all right i'm gonna roll for the dexterity of the unconscious ogre he failed so, so anyway so how um, do i
4: roll this exactly like
0: is same exact damage die. It's just now cold instead of fire. But I have to do the dexterity check. So what's the
5: number?
4: It is a. I'm trying to figure out which fireball I'm going to use. It's a. Bloop, 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 bloop. It's a sixteen.
0: Um, the entire camp of all the twelve of them, uh, we got like half of them single digits. One person got an eighteen. Um, but when I tell you that I'm pretty sure not one member of this party has health above 15, oh, I no. have a feeling they're about to just just clean the wharf, and they'll be frozen here to the boards tomorrow morning.
4: No, I didn't mean to commit murder. Shit, I gotta roll that damage. Oh,
0: no. Not even murder. You murdered a farmer's dozen of, of just <laughs>
4: no. these mummers of
5: the kill. Once I'm again, it is the bane of man.
4: Now. Wait, I, I'm I'm really, like really nervous now to roll this damage. Oh fuck, what did I do? Um You'll put your foot down well, is what you don't
0: did. <laughs>
4: no. <laughs> I rolled 30.
0: Yeah, that's enough to kill literally every single one of them. So what does it look like when you cast it? As they all begin to pull out their, like, uh, ice picks and scaling knives, and their, like, you know, uh, what's it called? Like, their hooks, and their, you know, small-handed anchors. Like, they just... It looks like a team of people ready to beat you up with fisherman supplies. So as they turn on you and begin to menacingly stride towards you...
4: Everything just fucking snaps. Jesus. Um, That's not what I intended. Okay. I think he's just looking at the water and just feeling like upset and not having like any clarity from the Illuminator era and just like this terribleness. He just kind of takes it out on them. I don't think he realizes like how upset he is until he kind of sees like the them frosted over afterward and he's just like off. Ah.
0: Yeah, you know, but at the same time, I mean, are we confused as to Anton doing this? Like, is anybody surprised? Like, anton has been on such a kick of, like, those who do are the evil ones, but also they're kind of not evil because who am I to be the judge? And so seeing these guys just willfully beating the Christ head of an unconscious being, you're like, just end it already. And they're like, no. And you're like, I'm telling you, you should end it. They're like, no. And you just frostball them. I mean, I feel like it checks out that Anton is just the justice are. is just traveling around telling bitches to knock it off and then they don't. But I also love that you're just a bully. The entire party's fighting Frost giant queens and then Anton goes on his own to fight the commoners who <laughs> work in the fish market.
3: Again, Anton's like kill count against just regular ass dudes <laughs> is so much higher than everyone else's. He has, he has dealt innumerable harm to just regular ass dudes.
4: Yeah, like, is this messing with his, like, alignment? I'm, like, kind of concerned.
0: I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, these guys were never assumed to be good. Like, this is a group of people who were willingly torturing somebody until they died. Granted, you don't know all the answers, but all you wanted was for them to knock it off. I'm more than willing to suggest that Anton, with all he had ahead of him, these were not good people doing a good thing. These were people that were, like, in. a man just said he wanted a necklace made out of its fingers and toes in response to you saying it suffered enough. You're not doing anything but harming it. And I, I feel like Anton is entirely justified. I just feel like Anton needs to remind himself that these individuals were probably no better off than the ogre itself. And if the ogre was in the same position, they would probably be doing the same thing, which goes to show they're probably both pretty shitty, right? So I don't think Anton should feel terrible. I think Anton should probably feel terrible in the same way he felt terrible about killing the Verbeegs, that they had potential to not be pieces of shit. But instead, they all decided to try to attack you with a freaking fish knife. So, like, you know, they made made their bed, and Anton's just entering this phase of his life where he's just the jury judge and executioner, and he's just not having it. The Illuminator's calling and become... you're not answering the fucking phone. <laughs> the Illuminator wants to have a meeting with you. Like, yeah, Yo, uh, I'm sorry. To talk
4: with me on this, on like the boat, and, and Anton just got nothing from that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: and Anton has entered his jury, judge, and executioner phase. Like he's he's over it. But yeah. Ant-
1: Anton is Judge Dread. <laughs>
0: Shows up with a sick new helmet. Judge "Uh, (laughs) Brad. Yep, there we go. (laughs) Just going out justice. Um, Damn. Damn, indeed. So after seeing, or at least coming back to a a recognition of what had just occurred, and seeing them all just laying there dead and shattered under the weight of your frost ball. There's got to be a better name for that. um,
3: As uh, you look
0: them over, As you look him (laughs) over, you feel a, imagine of pain of guilt. But then sort of look and see the expression of peace that the ogre seems to be in now that it's dead with its eyes closed. And I guess, I hope Anton has a moment of understanding that I don't know, it was put out of its misery. Of course, there had to be twelve other deaths to get there, but so My question is, where does Anton go now after uh, this (laughs) wonderfully interesting little excursion?
4: He's going to kind of panic a little bit and he's going to go hide on the boat.
0: You know, I don't want to bring it back to Family Guy, but there's that scene where Peter beats up the neighbor kid, and then he runs back to the house, like hides in the tree or whatever. I was like thinking that's what Anton does. Next morning, they're just like, Anton, what'd you do? He's like, Shut up! They were being mean to him. Like, Anton, you are way higher level than them. You're not supposed to use third level fireballs on them. Like, no, shut up. Yeah, that's funny.
4: Yeah, that's too extreme. Okay.
0: Anton heads back to the boat with that look on his face like, oh, what's everybody doing in here? Um, I'm thirsty. Anybody else thirsty? I gotta go. (laughs) But, okay. So, yeah, Anton returns back to the boat. Party. Enjoy their party for the night. Um, And are welcome to stay at one of the many different slumbering chambers at the Long Hall. Um, Yeah. I suppose in the morning the uh, party wake up with varying degrees of headaches and guilt um, as the sun rises on a particularly warm and pleasant summer day. Um, I imagine Anton probably heads back to the uh, to the hall to meet up with the party, assuming that's where they stayed.
4: Yeah, I think he's going to stop by where the, the bodies are first to see like what happens. Cause you think he's afraid he's, like, he's going to have to own up to that shit.
0: You know, serial killers uh, oftentimes return <laughs> to the scene of the crime, Anton. <laughs> and Anton's just like, damn, what happened? They're like, they said somebody cast a really mean spell on those guys. Like, that must have been like 30 points of damage. I don't think any of these guys <laughs> could survive that. It's pretty sweet, though. Yeah, when you head back there, it seems like much of the... Uh, the uh, ice has thawed out in the summer's heat, and the summer sun. Um, and it seems like all that's left behind are dead bodies that have already begun to be uh, picked up and cleaned up. Some of the frozen limbs are being ice-picked off of the boards, uh, like sort of destuck from them. Um, but overall, the guards and everybody else helping clean up seem to be very disgusted by what has been cleaned up. But you can tell by the methodical nature of the people involved here, that cleaning up dead bodies in the morning on the pier is not an unusual uh action to the point it seems like by the tools that they have this happens probably once a week
4: oh great now i'm like contributing to a statistic fantastic ah uh, Anson just shot just shakes his head that heads yeah he heads back to the hall
1: why one, one commoner is a murderer? <laughs> 12 is a statistic.
3: With a skip in his step,
4: yeah, uh, like, are there a whistle any on
3: his lips.
4: <laughs> oh my God. Is there an, an actual serial killer in town? That's my question.
5: It's fucking you.
0: You just murdered <laughs> an entire basketball <laughs> team over here. <laughs> what do you mean? Is. <laughs> no, who's kidding? and yeah. Um, so that, um, <laughs> Anton approaches the hall and again is admitted, uh, easily. Uh, some of the guards out front seem to be nursing their own sorts of headaches that they have, uh, gained overnight. Um, but as you enter the hall and see the, uh, various individuals still laying upon the floor, Amthar himself has come out in something of, uh, I don't know how do I describe this? Very comfortable garb wearing an animal skin on his back. Um, as he walks out here and hails you with a mug of ale, uh, he sort of lifts it in the air and says that uh, your friends did very well this evening. It would seem they are naturals in this city. And that, he just gives another hail and he says, to the dead, Targlochi is no more. And with that, some of the sort of begrudgingly uh, laying on the floor, people are just like, hail. Um, but with that, the party are awoken and brought forward to speak with Amthar, as well as the Anton. And with that, he says, again, you may stay here comfortably in my hall for the next few days as we wait for Swift to arrive, and if not, I've already procured a map for you to follow. If it can do anything for you, it'll at least put you close to the Channel of Blood.
1: I am prepared to await the arrival of a skilled tracker. Judging by what I've heard about this place, we do not be, we do not want to be wandering to it blindly with half an idea of what we're looking
0: for. Well, that, he gives a nod and says, this is probably for the best. Judging by your accomplices, I don't know that any of you are truly skilled in the ways of survivalist tracking, but so be it. Again, I've put out for all my men to summon and take Swiftbolt and bring him here if he arrives in town. Um, And so for the rest of the day, uh, was there anything the party wanted to do while they have the
5: day available to them?
1: Uh, Norhill's gonna take some of the money that we got uh, from Tragaloga and he's going to go down to the marketplace and buy gifts uh for his family and stuff right you know he's like uh i don't know reindeer like r- reindeer dr- drinking horns uh you know uh, like a chest of fancy pelts for his wife and toys for his son
0: okay um we'll say that if you wanted to grade it on sort of like basic nice and excellent we'll say that basic would be 100 gold pieces nice would be 250 and 500 for like excellent gear
1: Let me just pull up the thing that you gave us real
0: quick so that I can see what we actually have. I'm picking some money off the top.
1: Yeah. Uh, So you say uh, uh, 500 for excellent quality stuff. Uh, Norhill will say that he's taking his entire share uh, of the loot to go purchase some things uh, and buy the 500 gold piece fancy stuff.
0: Cool, and I'll say that in the market, people recognize you from yesterday and offer to help you to take all the stuff back to your ship in the chests and barrels that you procure it and bring it back in. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh various things. Uh, one of the other gifts that you bring back for your wife is a bottle of perfume made with the uh, ambergris from some of the whales that have been hunted out here in the ocean. Um, perfume is obviously an oddity for dwarves living underground, um, but. It seems like a very interesting gift to bring home. Um, But what of Klika, Jarzak, and Anton? Anybody else doing anything during the day? Are you buying that sick shark thing or mounting that sweet sword on the front?
4: Definitely need to buy some potions. Let's talk up for the team. Because God knows I'll get in a fight and get knocked out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, considering the sort of availability of magical items in this campaign setting, you're actually probably better off talking to Anthar himself. Oh. He may actually have more potions in his uh, in his uh, stores that he might be able to offer you. If you wanted to go out into the city and try to find somebody who's dealing it, you could. But you may end up spending more money than you think on it.
4: Uh, I'll, I'll try to buy it with Amthar. I just need some healing potions.
0: Yeah, totally. But, um, yeah. So Amthar, uh, if you'd like to, you can roll a persuasion check to talk him into it. Sure. He definitely seems willing to do so, but I want to see how generous he's feeling.
4: Yeah, I don't don't have a lot of money, so we'll see. (laughs) Oh my god. I got a four, so I don't think I was that persuasive. (laughs)
0: charisma really is not the thing for you in this game tonight Um, no
4: it's really not
0: (laughs) so with that he sort of shifts his weight and says I wish I could say that I used many healing potions in my career but I never had to but that doesn't mean I haven't accumulated some of my own if you really feel it necessary I'm sure I can part with a few of them for you and with that He summons someone to go to his stores and collects three healing potions and brings them forward to you. These are just basic potions of healing. uh, 2d4 plus two hit points each.
4: What do I owe him? Do I owe him anything? Three? No, like, do I owe him any, like, uh... Like, what does it cost?
0: He just sort of shrugs at you, offering to pay him, and says, I have more money in my stores and amongst the people of my city than any money you could ever hope to find, especially amongst that smelly old lich, as he spits upon the ground, and he says, consider them a gift.
4: I greatly praise your gener- generosity for... As much as I know, I don't, we haven't had too many generous hosts... You're very kind to us, Lord Amthar. I don't know if people tell you that. But your hospitality
0: is now. great. What? Don't go kiss him the butt now. With that, he nods at your at your kindness and your kind words, and he says, Anton, I believe in treating those as they deserve to be treated. You have proven yourselves time and again, and you have proven yourselves as warriors, adventurers, and men, and women, of good heart and bravery, I believe I owe it to you, to gift you as you deserve.
4: Gives him a bow, and then he's going to head out.
5: And that, he's he not going to
4: wander this time, he's going like to find somewhere to sit and hang out so he doesn't cause any more <coughs> unnecessary problems. But again.
0: One of the cleaning people come by and they're just like, man, what's wrong? You smell as stinky as an ogre. Just start to prepare a fireball. you <laughs> like... Um, but Amthar sort of grabs you before you go and says, I have accumulated many treasures in my travels and in my many deeds. Unfortunately, a lot of them will do little more than accumulate dust in my hold. If you are to survive and come back from your journey... I have a very, very special and particular gift to offer you. One that I think somebody like you could really appreciate. There is one I traveled with long ago who fell in battle, and when he died, he left behind his staff. If it is the case that you are capable of utilizing such a staff, you may have it. But unfortunately, it means too much to me now to see you lose it on such a errand as to go and see the lich. So, consider this my promise. Upon your return, the staff is yours.
4: Ah, well. Thank you. I hope we do return. And I hope when we return it does not cause any Known problems, but. Once again, knowing your generosity, but also if this partner, if this party member of yours meant so much to you, don't don't give away something so dear to you so willingly.
0: I'm afraid items such as these are possessed of greatness that I will never see And it's up to people like you who will carry the torch. You will see the greatness of such an item, much that he did in his days of glory. Who was this? I. And with that, he sort of looks to the ground. And for the first time in a long time, you see a truly like humbled and human look come over his face. As he sort of looks back to you with eyes that seem to be a little bit more glistening. And seemed to be a little bit more broken. And he looks to you and he says, I dare not speak his name. If I can be utterly honest with you, I'm not proud of how he died. And to speak his name would fill my heart with grief. Truly, Anton, if you would take his staff and bring some light to it again, you would be doing the world a favor. As it sits in my treasury, it haunts me, and it's been some time since I've met someone as you, with such pure heart and the intentions to heal and to help. Somebody like you can appreciate this, and I think that you using it will put his spirit to rest. I hope I live up to expectations.
4: Then he gives them another bow and leaves.
0: Are Klika and Jarzak planning on doing anything?
2: Jarzak, will, if we didn't leave the sword, then I'll uh, attempt to get it attached. To the ring wraith.
0: You're gonna wait. You're gonna get it attached to the ring wraith. I mean, to the yeah, ring wraith, <laughs> wind wraith. Yeah, <laughs> it's huge.
2: Um. If we didn't leave okay. it if we left it there then I'll just do the uh the shark I'll find someone who's able to attach it.
0: No, you definitely have the blade. Okay. Now my question is when we're attaching this are we going full on like like point to the front of the ship just hanging out there is it going to be like aimed into the water so it's kind of like crested like a T on the front of the thing
5: or are we talking like how do you, how did you imagine it? Um I imagine like the it just running like down
2: along the front end,
5: okay.
2: so that something would get sliced by it, or so that it's like flat, so that the blades like pointed into the water.
6: And okay. yes, yeah, so it would so, get sliced.
5: So hiring a
0: team of people to be able to do this to the to the wave ray, um, it's only going to cost you like two hundred gold pieces to mount the thing, and all the professionals who are willing to do it. Looking over the expert, like, make of the Blade, as well as the ship itself, um, these people seem to be honored to be doing it, and the crew of people seems to be twice as many as you actually need to do it, but the majority of them are doing it for free. Really, it's just materials you're paying for. The time of the guild masters who work here in, like, the shipwright uh, sort of guild, um, they seem to be the ones most hands-on, but again, people just seem to be coming by to see it mounted more so than anything. It's like a bunch of old guys that see like a classic car and they all just feel like standing there and asking what year it is. You know what I mean? It's just like a gang of just all the old sailors seeing the ship and seeing it mounted to it. But again, Lucky Dog approaches you and he says, "I have to tell you, I don't think that the original owner would truly appreciate what you're doing to the uh to the vessel, but
5: What at wait, this point- Lucky
0: Dog? Who who's the captain now? <laughs> <laughs> he just stays there with his mouth ajar and says uh well clearly it's you and it looks what i was sick. about to say that i think it does indeed look pretty uh, interesting on the front i think that the uh wave Wraith has been given a uh, a new sense of uh <clears throat> I don't really have a word for what it is that i'm looking at as he sees the gnomes all standing and looking over the edge too one of them touches the sword and gets slightly like like static shocked by it and sees him like plunk into the water like a pebble falling into the water just thunk. um and then he says definitely draws a crowd and i uh Wish the best of luck to anybody who gets uh, ramrodded by the front end of our boat. Uh, Jarzak, do not do that, by the way. As much as I think it would well, probably work. Yeah, that's I the don't whole, think it's whole a gr- point.
6: It, it'll it slice through him.
0: And so with that, he just sort of starts uh, rubbing his temples as Is he that, walks away and climbs back aboard the boat that's being uh, worked lucky on. Dog,
6: come back! Is
0: that not how it works? Fucking dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay. Yeah, what about Kleeca? Is Kleeca just hanging out there for the same reason?
3: No, Kleeca feels terrible, but last night spends all morning cleaning.
0: <laughs> you know, the gnomes have made an absolute destructive mess of the place. Somehow, one of the gnomes must have gotten off the ship and just bought like, like eight kegs of just just ale. With some money, they must have got somewhere. And this place <laughs> is just a sloppy, sticky, awful mess. Somehow, there I mean, are she, ants uh, on the boat. She was talking about the
3: haul, but if she gets back to the boat and it's also dirty, that'll be her morning and afternoon.
2: I feel like Jarzak would Harry, give a... the gnomes money, so that's how, probably how they would get it. Uh, he doesn't need much, no. so he'd flip the rest of them.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay.
3: Um click, I click click take of the, the just
0: like
3: of the takes one step below deck and, like, then goes to take another and her shoe comes off because the floor is so sticky and then she starts to scream we're gonna have ants and looks over and sees that we already have ants <laughs> <laughs> it's just dial up noises from Kleeka <laughs> for the rest of the afternoon
0: oh one big old juicy rat comes over and sniffs your weirdly prehensile foot
3: <laughs> Kleeka just grabs it and chucks it out the window with her
0: foot
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh man
0: you hear another plunk like a stone falling in the water <laughs> um okay, and at this point uh as night begins to fall over the city of Gallad Bay, a single opening and closing of the main hall doors uh where Anton appears to be uh heralds a few guards and as you look over shoulder to see, there is indeed, a very large and rotund, very muscular, very broad-shouldered human walking in, who seems to be about seven feet tall himself, if not a little bit taller than that, guided in by a troop of four of the guards. And as they approach and walk past you, you can tell that this very strangely large-looking individual has on his back a very large-looking crossbow, mounted with something of a weird, like, cachet of, like, like a clip of bolts that seem to be strapped to it, like sort of like a bandolier of bolts. And as this individual is brought forward before the Lord, Lord Amthar seems to herald out to him and call out to him and say, Hail! And with that, no voice comes from the giant. And instead, the four guards yell, Hail back at him. And the Lord says, Is it really you, Swift Bolt? And with that, with a single nod, the Augurlon sort of looks back to him and says, Yes, I have traveled far, and I have been summoned to your court. Pray tell what you need me for so that I may leave. And with that, Amthar looks in Anton's direction and just says, I am summoning you to do a task. I am demanding it. You are to do anything... That this individual, and points at Anton, the only one in attendance, oh and my says, God! whatever this man says is your duty. I am swearing this upon you as lord of the city. You are to do this or be punished. Am I understood? You know, that Swiftbolt, not even looking behind at whoever has apparently uh, gathered the reins of his existence, just nods once and says, it shall be done. And as it turns around, it looks in your general direction, you see the look of a very, I don't know what it says, very stark, stoic, and pained looking face. Uh. Uh, you recall uh, Ludo from Labyrinth, the big furry stone yeah. bellowing guy. He looks like that mixed with Shrek. Like, he's just got a very (laughs) wrinkly, sun-dried, sun-baked face. But he looks very unfortunately like... You know what I mean? Like, he just looks almost like a caricature of of a human's face. And as he looks to you with his rippling corded muscles shown beneath his studded leather and his hides that he's wearing, he begins to walk in your general direction and stands before you at the seat where you're sitting and doing whatever it is you're doing. And says, "What is your will?"
4: I ask that you guide myself and my party to the river. What was it—the River of Blood? The
5: <laughs> yeah, he slaps his of face,
0: recognizing, recognizing that he may not survive leaving the the long haul as it is. He's like, "Fuck." You will bring us to the lair of evil things in the blood house. <laughs> and then he just shakes his head. No, I'm just kidding. But with that, he says as he looks to you with that same pained expression, and he says, I will be done.
4: I'm gonna insert. Where exactly? Guy? What? I'll wait, I'll wait till he finishes. I'm sorry.
0: Oh well he was just gonna say, where are the rest of your party?
4: They are out gathering supplies, but I don't imagine they'll be much longer.
0: Back to Jarzak watching them mount the sword, Klikka cleaning, just gnomes causing a muck. There's just a rat swimming in the water around there, <laughs> Norhill sniffing perfume this is, on I, this the boat. is this
4: guy like a robot or what? Like, What's his deal?
0: Yeah, you can roll for it.
4: Like, I'm like, why is he in like, a servitude kind of deal? What's going on?
0: Well, for I got a mic. 14. Okay. And what we'll say is that the party would have thought to go find Anton in the evening just because he's been out here and everybody else is probably done dealing with what they're dealing with at the Wavering. Wave um, so we'll say that uh, just a bit after this introduction between Anton and um, Swift Bold, uh, the party will arrive. Um, but what did you get on your insight? Uh 14. So looking him over and sort of trying to see where the strange half ogorisms end and where his true personality begins, you're acquainted with a feeling that you have felt uh, on the road between Eagleheart and Dustwind—a feeling that is as cold as winter, as desolate as the desert, and a feeling that is as long and as painful as the oceans are wide. As you look upon him, as he looks up at you, you recognize the levels of unfathomable depression and pain that exist within this person, and as you look upon him and hear him say thy will be done, it, uh, I imagine it cuts pretty close to your core as you being a sort of empathetic and sympathizing individual hear the pain in his voice upon hearing his
4: newest duty. Boy, better not die. He just he you out. It. We're taking you to a terrible place.
0: Oh, I thought you said I better not die. Hell yeah! No, I mean, I guess he shouldn't die. either. <laughs> I don't, you don't know that he could have done some evil shit. Maybe that's why he looks so I guilty, just like you, but Anton. He's
4: sad.
0: <laughs> I love it. He's sad. I don't want to take well, him.
4: To come with us willingly—that's one thing. But this guy is like being treated like a slave, and I'm like,
3: this isn't okay. That's not true. <laughs> Starbreeze wanted to come with us willingly, and we didn't like that either.
4: Well, he <laughs> died, and I brought him back. He did die—that um, poor fool—and then he betrayed us. That poor, well, poor that's, fool. Well, that's <laughs> that's not, not
1: his fault.
4: <laughs> yeah, geez. I was gonna Still. say.
0: And thus the revisionist history of Starbreeze begins. <laughs> I saw him skipping with that damn demon. Um, <laughs> but with that, the party enter the hall. The guards hail and say, <laughs> the heroes of Amaroth have arrived. Oh, Miners won. And as the trio walk in and see Anton seated next to a uh, massive augrel um Yeah. What would you like to do?
4: Like well, we'll, the party does with bolt and say he knows of our journey and will guide us there
0: we're we gonna do any icebreakers
1: know, yeah, well, yeah, Norhill introduces himself and he says there's a grave task that you have taken on and i admire your brave i trust that leading us to and back Will bring us all home safely.
0: He gives a solemn nod and he then says, we will leave in the morning. I must procure some goods and then we will go.
3: I got I got one in me for the night. clicka looks up and says, hmm? I don't. She doesn't say anything. I actually don't think I can do that right now. I really thought I might, but I was wrong.
5: That's nope, sad. What does Klika so, say? <laughs> can, you, can,
0: you,
3: can you just cut in any of the other times I've said hi, I'm Klika, and post it over this whole thing? Oh,
0: no. <laughs>
5: Get it in I
3: post. can't
0: say it. Hi, yeah. I'm Jarzak. Yeah, right. As Klika goes to say it. <laughs> Very good. And so, with that, he just gives you the same solemn nod that he gives to Norhill and then gives it to Jarzak and is like, Uh, I feel like she was gonna say
5: that. I, I beat her to it this once, very well. Um, and so, with that, he just kind of nods his head and says, Where's your current residence? Well, I suppose that would be here. He just sort of nods.
0: Does very well and begins to take off his bag, lowering his crossbow, and begins to march off to one of the one of the uh, sleeping chambers.
3: Click also suggests that he could stay on our flying boat if he's never been on a flying boat before and wants to go on a flying boat.
0: Yeah, turns back around as he mentioned this. And just shakes his head and heads back to the room. Oh,
5: damn. It's going to be a tough nut to crack.
4: Like a coconut.
5: Like, that is a <laughs> particularly tough nut
3: to crack. I agree. <laughs> and Harry.
0: <laughs> Very well. So as the party begin to recount tales of cracking coconuts, um, what would you like to do for the rest of the evening?
4: It's just go to bed, so he doesn't go on another party.
1: <laughs> Yeah, just nice. going to get good and rested for a long and difficult and probably extremely deadly journey. Okay. Can, so,
0: would.
3: What uh, so you could look around at his pack. She doesn't want to like dig into it. Just wants to see sort of anything she can notice from looking at the outside. Because you said he dropped his pack, right? And his crossbow. Does it look like the uh shindle Sch- grip? Is there another one of these fucking things? Are we on the third one now? <laughs> as soon as you said he not had enough. a big crossbow,
0: I was like, not a fucking gen. He yeah. took his bag off. And like carried it with him to. His oh, family. I gotcha. Yeah, but you got a pretty good look at it, um, and it does seem to be of the same masterful craft as the Shendel grip, but it does not seem to be the same.
3: It's not made of dragon bones.
0: There are many crossbows like it, but this one is my own.
3: Yeah. All right.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah. Again, the weird part of it, though, is that there seems to be like a metal, like a pace that seems to be protruding from where the crossbow bolts seem to load in, and the strange, like, locking mechanism on the back of it, where you would, you know, normally pull the the actual drawstring of the crossbow back, seems to be hooked up to something of like a crank. So, overall, it's a very strange-looking device, but it seems compact enough and built for his size, which is to say, it's pretty goddamn huge. Like, this looks like a gnomish ballista, you know what I mean? But... Yeah. Okay. So if the party had nothing else to say, I suppose they're able to go to bed. Are we sleeping here or are we sleeping on the boat?
4: we're sure sleeping here.
0: Didn't we yeah. just tell them we were staying here? Yeah,
1: if we still have Lord Anthar's hospitality, yeah. then might as well.
0: Hey, I didn't know if anybody wanna go take a quick trip, go murder some innocent people or something like that. I mean, no,
5: I, I heard know, no, tr- tr- I tr-
0: that. <laughs> Just, just a Jarzak's little X, nighttime
3: vigilanteism.
0: vigilantism <laughs> can you fucking imagine just Anton goes out and sees them and then it's just like the gang of bandits and then Jarzak's in the back It's just like <laughs> hey fuck off <laughs> and like, Anton's like I won't stand by J- Jarz
5: he's Jarz, like, was oh, like
3: uh. picking the fucking giant in the ribs over and over again or the ogre in the ribs <laughs> come on, dude! <laughs> Keeps raising his friends as specters and having them slap him, <laughs> poke him in the eyes. <laughs> it's just a Three Stooges skit.
0: Nice. Um, that did happen with the first ogre fight, didn't it? Wasn't there a very stoogely sort of encounter? I feel like there was. Wasn't there? I that mean, yeah. Anyway, all right. So, with that, the party rests easy. Um, the various hearts going off in the uh, long hall and the uh, summer breeze coming through the open doorways and open windows makes for a very comfortable sleeping. Uh, the party awake in the morning to see that Swift Bolt is already packed and ready to go and appears to have already left and come back. And as he seems to be packing the last sort of stock of food stuffs, iron pans, and whatnot in his, uh, on his bag. Um, He seems to be good to go and seems to be waiting for
5: the party to get ready themselves.
4: All right. I guess we head off.
0: So um, the overall trip is going to take the party uh, approximately seven days to get to where they're going. Um, It is going to be a pretty decently easy sort of travel uh granted uh it doesn't seem like swiftbolt's going to be breaking neck to try to get there like asap and seems to be taking the comfortable strategic and uh you know the safest routes that he can possibly manage uh on more than one occasion you can tell that swiftbolt recognizes markings of those alcatars that you guys dealt with before and says that you should take, you know, wide mirth, not understanding what mirth means, but agrees that we should take whatever a wide mirth is away from what are we doing? Side. You're
1: probably correct. I wouldn't want to have to rush on one of those things again.
0: And with that, he, yeah. So we'll say that at that point, he looks to you with a very dumbfounded look on his face, and he says, I'm sorry. What?
1: One of them challenged me to a contest of strength. uh, A contest of which I was the victor.
0: That he just looks you over at one-third of his own height, basically, and just, like, sort of scratches at his neck and says, all right, I suppose, and just turns on heel and continues moving, (laughs) shaking his head as if you just basically are making shit up at this point. Um, But yeah, for the next few days, uh, the party are going to travel north and wrap around the same mountainous structure where Tragloka's lair was. Um, But uh, along this journey, I want to know what you guys wanted to do for sort of the improvisational stuff before we get to the Channel of Blood.
5: Jesus, it's so dark.
0: I figured Norhills is pretty easy as he's uh, speaking with the uh, our friend about wrestling Elkatars out there.
3: Just the proper stance to take when being charged by something upwards of three times your height, which Norhill has clearly mastered by now. If we've seen anything,
1: it's happened more than once. It's happened like four times. Yes, it <laughs> has. <Incredible laughs> <beats> of strength.
0: <laughs> you know, may not win on initiative, but when it comes to those strength saves, yeah, we're flipping fuckers like a spatula. Uh-oh. Yeah.
3: He's a real choo-choo train, slow to get started, but hard to stop.
0: (laughs) Um, So I will say that apart from some uh, overcast clouds and whatnot along the journey, for the most part, it's pretty comfortable out here. You guys can tell that much of the flowers uh, among the wild plants out here have come to full bloom. And again, seeing the wild animals rushing around in the last few weeks of the summer that you have available to you, um, it's a rather beautiful sight to behold. Um, one thing that you notice while traveling is that Swiftbolt does not speak uh, nearly at any point, eats by himself, but whenever the party take hours to rest, he immediately goes about hunting and grabbing things to eat, and provides it to the party with absolutely no issues. On multiple occasions, he brings home pretty large game for what it's worth. Um, as with his magical crossbow that he's brought with him, he's able to fell them from an incredible distance, and even when he misses, a couple of ratchet clinks of the uh, the uh, little turner thingy on the back of the, uh, of the crossbow, he's able to reload that thing in like a matter of seconds. So for what it's worth, it's a pretty astonishing sight to behold if you guys ever get the sight of him hunting. But he tends to provide the party with food, water, and finds ample places for shelter. Uh, but again, he does not speak
5: unless spoken to. And if he's spoken to, usually he has very little to say. I just
4: want to learn about why he does this service. Is it just because he's like one of those service kind of people, or does he have like a debt? Like, what's going on there?
0: So, um, I'll let you roll a persuasion check to ask him such a question. I'm letting you get yes. your one redemption roll in. If you get another six, no way,
3: no way, dude. I'm, <laughs> I'm smelling.
4: I got a thirteen.
3: Ah, dang it! What what exactly were you smelling? A fumble. I was smelling like a, probably like a hard six. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a four.
0: So with that, he looks you up and realizes, uh, sorry, looks up at you and realizes that you're not asking the question in a way that's like, you know, rude or for self-interest. It seems like you genuinely want to know for his benefit. And with that, he looks back down glumly at the fire he's prepared and begins to, you know, cook some of the rabbits that he's just skinned. And as he does so, he says... My service is that which I
5: provide for the betterment of all who are like me, and he doesn't say anything else.
0: I like thinking Anton literally like exclaims loud. Hmm.
4: No, I think he's just trying to think of like an, and how do you think we're like you? Not at like, not like a bad way, of course, but like, how it are, looks... do you, are you a, just an adventurer too? But I, I just find it, I just found the way that Lord Demsner spoke to you. I, it seemed as if you served him as a servant does.
0: That he says, as he doesn't look up from the fire, he says, I have already forgiven him. I forgive all that look to me and see me as a beast. The ogres who live in Gallad Bay are evil, they're tormentors. And I heard what had been done to Tragloka. I provide my service so that I might be able to change people's opinions on the unfortunate few who find themselves stuck between worlds. There are not many like myself, but as one who finds no solace in the walls of a city, one who does not find any comfort within such a booming and bustling place, the best that I can do is bring good tidings to people like myself. As he looks up and looks up to the party, he looks at each one of you guys dead in the eye for just a moment before looking back down to the fire. He says, if I am able to change the minds of anyone with one simple deed, I will do it. If I could perhaps change their hearts into believing someone like me, someone with ogre's blood, is capable of doing good things, Then anything is worth it. What I do for the Lord, I do for those who have lost it all simply by having lost the gambling of being born. Unfortunately, it seems fate has dealt me a very unfortunate hand. And thus I wander, and thus I hunt, and thus. I serve people like you. My only hope is that you will all leave this experience having learned much of what I am able to offer. Most do not want to know. Most apologize for my birth. And most, most do not even look to me as anything more than one who knows the way. all I ask of you is to treat me with dignity and respect and not objectify me based on what I provide to you.
4: It's shameful for us to do anything other than that.
0: As he looks over and sees Klika, and sees Jarzak and sees Norhill and then looks to Anton again, he sort of nods and says, in my heart, I believe you. Unfortunately, I've seen much of the evil of the world done by the humans who call this place their home. For them to say anything about the ways of the necromancer. To say it is evil what the necromancer does. It is hard to not see the irony as if they themselves are not the lich of the elk as if they themselves are not the marauding orcs to the whales. Perhaps it is from different vantage points that we get the best view. But somehow I feel like you know this in your heart, as he looks to Anton and gives sort of like a steel-eyed glare as he squints his eyes a little bit looking at you. I feel as if you understand. There is always an evil there's always a good and then there's always the reality of everyone just trying to survive. Somehow, I feel that you understand this.
4: It just
0: gives a nod. And with that giving another knowing nod back he just looks back to the fire as if he didn't say anything at all for the past five minutes of speech. And he just goes back to cooking some rabbits.
3: Damn. Did he did he crack the rabbits open? Where's the blood?
4: Jeez. I cracked
3: open a one.
5: Mm.
0: <laughs> like... Yeah, very good. The old good old traveling iron rations, just his, <laughs> his fucking <laughs> rabbit's blood.
6: click can you believe he cooked them?
0: Ugh. <laughs> Kick the click wouldn't approve of this. <laughs> and with that, he looks up again and says, "Was he a traveling companion?" Um. Yeah, he was a. Uh...
3: He still is. He's just not traveling with us right now, but with other people who are important to us. He's a strange but very earnest and dedicated uh, person that we met. He, uh, He always makes sure that Everyone is taken care of, even if it ends up negatively affecting him.
0: And with that, he sort of looks to you with a puzzled look on his face and says, is this his nature or the nature of his people?
3: Uh, It's definitely his nature. He was abandoned by his people because (laughs) he wasn't able to
0: keep up. And with that, you can tell that Swift Bolt seems to look at you for like a few extra moments than he looked at anybody and says, sort of breaking the silence, and this time still making eye contact with you as you speak, uh, as he speaks rather, which you notice is the first time he's actually made eye contact as he's spoken to anybody. And he says, I think I might like to speak with this. Kick the click. Perhaps they and i would have something in common
6: not many people can speak his language
3: but i mean everybody can if he touches them uh true
5: How would that but be? yeah click a click his
0: head yeah
3: be happy to teleport you to meet him someday
0: and with that, he just looks absolutely bum-fuzzled by this comment, and he just tilts his head again and he says, I beg pardon?
3: Oh, yeah, I mean, we will have to walk all the way back for sure. Klikka was able to teleport everybody back from um, Tragloka's lair. It's something Klikka's pretty good at, is moving through space, but just not to places she hasn't been yet
0: that his, again, he begins to squint and looks to you all with a very strange look and again turns to Anton and says,
5: I truly believe that you do all understand that skin,
0: flesh, are not what define a person. And looks back at Klica and says, I have a feeling you all know that very well. It warms my heart to meet people such as yourselves.
5: And I wish that perhaps I had met you all sooner. Perhaps. Perhaps we could have been friends. Click going to look up at the sky,
3: at the stars and ask, do you know which one's yours?
0: With that, he continues to look down at the fire, looks up for a moment and he just says, they are merely the stars. They provide us the same kind of light that the sun does. Just in the same way, the trees provide the shelter for the animals and the shade for us during our travels. They are merely a part of the world around us. Beautiful as they may be, there is no
5: magic in the stars, I believe. Hmm. Kleika doesn't think so teleports him to (laughs) space
3: oh (laughs) now bitch (laughs) right up to the moon now pick
0: one (laughs) very good but yeah with that he says again I think we could have been good friends
5: are we friends now (laughs) it's
6: never too late to make friends
5: he says, but it may be too soon.
6: Uh, Yeah, that, no. Uh, if you say so.
5: He Jared says, like, puts down the
3: friendship bracelet he was making. <laughs> 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 we made friends with <laughs> Kick real fast. So.
4: Yeah, you guys like um, drink rabbit blood together and everything. You guys got like right, right into the fucking blood brothers. <laughs>
0: fucking bug brothers um, so, <laughs> um, I didn't even think about how funny that is and of course Jarzak <laughs> is like weird bug man so <laughs> you guys really are bug brothers um, but with that uh, with a very somber tone he goes back to looking only at the fire and the food and he says I'm afraid especially after meeting people as kind hearted as yourselves I don't think I could bear the heartbreak of seeing what happens to you when I, well, when you cross the channel. Unfortunately, no one has ever truly returned. And those that do return, I've done my fair share of, well, deeds to the city by leveling and killing those who return. As he looks over at the crossbow, loaded and ready to go, he sort of pats it gently and says, it is not a kind way of living, but I do my part.
6: Well, there's a first for everything, bud.
1: We have done our share of returning from places from which no one ever has before.
5: That he just sort of nods and says, That may be true,
0: but if I can give you one bit of advice before we get there, as we are only a few days away, there is a being, a malevolent being, that I have seen cross the skies. It travels like a dragon flying through the air,
5: and yet is a beast. Most macabre. It's as if
0: bones themselves had traveled like birds of a flock, taking the shape of something of of a great serpent. I still hear the noise of the clattering bones in my nightmares. And all I can say is, if you do cross the channel and you decide to Climb, and enter the icon. Be wary of the bones outside of the entrance.
5: They are not what they seem, and they would collect you to join them. Will you be um,
3: waiting for us on the other side, or are you going to head back as soon as we cross?
5: I've been sworn to do a duty. I will wait for you as long as you need me to. Okay,
3: so if we end up becoming really, really, really good friends with the Lich, will you come over if we say it's safe, or are you going to think we're spooky ghosts?
5: I don't
0: think the Lich is capable of any emotion or true feeling for any living being the kind of horrors I have seen done to the natural world, simply as reverberations of its evil, there is no way anyone would survive such an act. I'm here as a duty. If you returned, we may be friends. If you return telling me it is
5: safe, I may think you have gone mad. I hope you'll understand. No, that makes sense.
0: Entirely sensible.
4: Why don't you help me meet the lich? I really want to meet this guy.
0: Turns out he's actually pretty all right. He's like, (laughs) hey, guys, what's up? I've been here for like 30,000 fucking years.
3: Do you want want a cola? I got colas in the fridge.
0: If you RC
1: want more Cola? visitors, then you need to not have such deadly door guards. <laughs>
0: yeah, but you know, when they hear that you're a lich, they just are so magical gear. In fact, I just collect magazines. It's just massive horde of magazines. It's like, in fact, I made a magazine golem. It's not very helpful. But anyway... By the way, fault. now that it's canon, That's that's how the Lich has to speak. So I already signed myself up for that one. Yeah, you did. It's like the naked one.
5: Oh no.
1: <laughs> the Lich is Skeletor.
0: Yeah. Um, so with that. <laughs> um, but with that, the uh sort of the fire continues to crackle on, and with that breaking the silence, um Swift Bolt chimes in again and says,
5: This may be me speaking out of turn here, but I would very much so like it if you returned.
0: Too often I am sent this way to aid those to try to defeat such a
5: thing and kill the lich. And perhaps you are all mad or fools for thinking you could befriend it. But if it is what you say if what you say is true about the one you refer to as kick the click, I think my place may not be with a city such as this, for they have written me off and I have done quite enough. But perhaps if you return, I may join you
0: to do such good deeds. These lands are barren and they're hellish in their own right. They are my home, but my duty is to do good in this world, to change hearts and minds.
6: You know what, bud? Even if we don't return, I think think you would get along with Kick. You could definitely find the ship with the gnomes and set sail out of here.
3: Yeah, it's the one that flies.
4: Some with a giant sword. Up there. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah, a with giant the, sword. It's
6: got
3: a big sword on the front, and it flies. <laughs> just ask for Shh. Lucky Dog.
0: Tell him Jarzak sent you, and you'll travel like, with just, them. He just looks so confused by all of these very memorable details. <laughs> not thinking that he'll ever forget any of the i mean to be honest if he remembered even one detail i'm sure he could get to the right boat literally any individual detail there would be no like is this the flying boat with a sword that's like electric sword or like a fire sword like there would be no question um now did you want the flying
3: boat or the hovering boat (laughs) because one of them stays level all the time but the other one can go up and down
0: yeah, one of them is able to move side to side very comfortably. <laughs> um, but with that, he just sort of nods a couple more times and says,
5: as night officially falls, um, that uh, perhaps I may take you up
0: on this offer, but I don't want us to think too far ahead about this. Perhaps I'm optimistic, but I'd rather not call you friends to you return. Because I assume you will.
6: Well, yeah, no, I was just saying, even, even if you have to take us out, because that's your duty, you're still free to travel out of this town.
0: And for a moment, as he just sort of looks down at the crossbow, painfully looks back at every one of you, he looks back up to the sky and says, we must be close. As you guys look up to match his gaze to the skies above, seeing the stars piercing through, a velvety red scarf of Aurora sort of ribbons through the sky in these sort of mesmerizing uh, patterns, sort of a blood-red color that bleeds to pinkish purples as well up to like brighter starfire oranges. And as you look up and see it sort of swirling around in the sky above in a very simple and dancing way, it becomes painfully clear that the color is certainly not natural. And as he looks up at the sky and looks back down at you, and he says,
5: we must be very close indeed. And if we are this close, I assume he is aware. And I suppose that's where we're going to end it.
0: everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in, and if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter, or you can even send me an email at youngbrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Oh